0: I'm really glad to be here. My name is Joe Kirk, and this is Building Effective Prayer Teams. So, you're in the right class if you chose Building Effective Prayer Teams. And um, I'm just very grateful. The song was saying, When you pull me closer, I come to life and that is so important we need to come to life we need to be alive in Christ Jesus and experience our aliveness and in this work he's called us to do from so very long ago we're going to be able to experience our aliveness our passion our fervor our ministry the vision God's given us and the mission he's called us to do so I just would like to pray with you and we'll get started Father, we thank you so much that you are an awesome, loving, faithful God, a trustworthy God. And Father, you've given us so many dreams and plans and hopes in our hearts. But Father, mostly... You've designed us to worship you, Father, not because you are some egotistical God, but because you know the value of your own self to us. You created us for yourself. So, God, we thank you for this teaching. We thank you, God, for how you're going to show us how to build effective prayer teams. And, Father, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I have been praying for you people, so I feel like I kind of know you already, so I'm really glad to be with you. And um, I want to thank Pastor Larry Boganry from Willowick. Uh, well, he's from Willowick. I'm from Willowick. And I just found his church. We're in the same city. I'm five minutes away. And here I am already. It's What has it been, three months? And so, I just thank God, because you're not an audience. You're a people packed with gifts and, and vision, and you're locked and loaded. You're ready to go, but we all need instruction. We all need the Holy Spirit guidance to get us there. And so I just really appreciate the opportunity. And we talk about relationships, and um, the relationships okay, that would be in the next flick, um, that we have are so important. And we always say that it's not a religion, it's a relationship. But as we do what God's called us to do, we're going to find that there's enhancements to the relationship. And I really feel that building a, an effective support group, a prayer group, a group that will intercede is going to be part of the enhancement of our relationship with God and others. It's just so powerful to engage with people and work with people. And um, I think it's a beautiful endeavor working with people of prayer and the body of Christ is really just raising itself up in prayer. And um, Pastor just taught on Um, igniting your prayer life, and just evaluating your prayer life. you got to see him if you want to know how to do that because there's nothing... I hope they tape that teaching and put it somewhere because, I mean, the body at large, the body of Christ at large needs to hear it. And um, so I'm just very grateful to be here. And I'm thankful to God that we have a way to go. You know, we don't always know how to do a thing, but our God knows. He knows everything. And there's several ways we can go, you know, if you're going to Chicago, you know, there's a lot of ways to get to Chicago. Um, I'm the kind of person, you know, the um, shortest distance between two lines is a straight, two, two place dis- is a, you know what I mean, is a straight line. And so I think that God sometimes intervenes If it's not a straight line, there's a reason. There's a reason that we may go a route to this place or that. And so I was looking up different ways to build teams. You know, team building is a big deal right now in the business world. And there's a lot of people that are engaging in their companies with, you know, team building and different things that they're doing in team building. You know, they have their points that just really are important to them to build up uh, a working, functioning, well-oiled machine kind of team. And that's important. But at the same time, you know, I don't have the time to go on a scavenger hunt and this and that. And that's great if your church goes on a scavenger hunt or if you like to build teams that way. That is just whatever works for you. I'm just going to suggest some things because that's, I think what God called me here to do. Excuse me. So I looked up ways in the secular world that they're actually getting some work done and like I say, if it works for you, that's a big deal, that's a good thing. But one of them was um, forming, norming, performing, and transforming. And then there were a host of um, developmental interventions procedures to execute. And I thought, geez, you know, I don't if i find time for that, you know. The Lord may return tomorrow and that won't work. And another one was, um, let's see, commitment, accountability, conflict, trust, and results. I thought that's not a bad thing. All those things are great things to have in a team, a working team. And at the same time, it's kind of more about what God is doing than what we are doing. It's more about where he's taking us and leading us and showing us to go. And if we're stopping to count the numbers and we're stopping to you know, hit the bullet points and make sure all our ducks are in a row, it may just be that we'll miss him. And we don't want to do that, so can we do the two streams, can we balance it, and can we go forward and not miss what the Holy Spirit is saying? And if you want to implement something, please do because, I mean, I looked these words up. Norming was very interesting when it comes to building a team. Um, I'm not going to go into all of them. They even the, The second one said transforming. And I thought, hmm, transforming people in business. I don't know if they'll ever get to Jesus and the kind of transformation that He's offering just by throwing that word out there. You know, there's a road to transformation. It has to do with um, confession, forgiveness, uh, reconciliation. You know, redemption and transformation. So we got to stay on that road and keep those things in our life. And you know, forgiveness is a big deal. And you know, if you're going to build a prayer team, you are going to have to do some forgiving. There's going to have to be a grace and an ease to just really get together and come together before God because all the different personalities and all the different, you know, glitches that could come up or just, just our way of being can get in the way. And we have to overlook some things and then we have to order some things so that... What God is saying, what God is doing is coming out of our mouths. And um, so it's more about recruiting prayer, I think, than it is about recruiting people. You know, we want a big old prayer team, and that's great. But, you know, Jesus, I mean, he was going to the cross. And he had these couple of guys, and he's like, pray for me. And what did they do? They fell asleep. You know, if people move in and out of your group, don't worry about it. The ones that are connected to the vision you enroll them in are going to be the ones that are going to stick around and pray for the long haul with you. And it's going to be fun. And that's part of my motto. I tell everybody, my clients, whoever, if it ain't fun, we ain't doing it. So, you know, there's a, there's a war. We're in a war. But God wants us to enjoy our lives. There's joy to be had in connecting with people like we're going to. And um, Francis Frangipane said something. I think this is especially true with intercessory prayer. He said, um, when you're in the throne room, that we have to go from intellectualizing God's word to being impregnated by it. There's something about the vision and the promise and the destiny he's called us to that's being birthed in us. And you know what? It's going to be birthed in your in the people in your prayer team too. I mean, they're birthing something. They're, I've got five kids and three grandkids, and I'd probably have ten more if I could. My last one I have when I was 41, so I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but he's 23 now. So, you know what? I wanted more kids. And I thought I was pregnant again and my older kids were gone. And I said, well, is there going to be someone for DJ? And oh, I was like, oh yes, there's going to be someone for DJ. I didn't care if I was going to be however Methuselah when I was birthing this baby. I just wanted the baby. And um, it turned out that I was not pregnant. I wasn't pregnant. And I was walking down the sidewalk one day and I heard God say, you will be birthing many things. And it just comforted my heart because I knew that he would bring me people and he would bring me precious things to take care of, to raise up. And I was really glad about that. So I was watching Chuck Pierce. He did a... uh, teaching on who are you. And he was explaining religion. And like we said, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And he was explaining how religion destroys revival. Religion destroys your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And who are we called to love? God and others. But if we get legalistic, religious, and you know, try to dot all the I's and cross all the T's, it's going out the door. It's flying, and um, we don't want to do that. We d- you want to spend yourself and do, um, you know, your five point, raise up a team, please do it. If it works for you, I want you to go for it, but I don't want you to be tied to some formula or method to build a team. And in Isaiah 49.4 it says, Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain that's a tough place to be. And then he said, yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with God. Our work is with God. If we're not working with God, don't bother doing it. (laughs) You know, don't build anything. If you're not working with God on it and breathing with um, prayer into the vision and let the Holy Spirit hover over it, it's not worth it. It's too, it's too exhausting. So, you know, we've been trying to get this, this engine going, and it just seems like it's just chugging along sometimes. And maybe all along we should have been focusing on God and not the building. You know, we should have been building prayer instead of teams. You know, we should have been recruiting intercession instead of people. And I tried it for so long and believe me, it didn't work. And, um... So Francis Frangipane said, God's ultimate goal is the consumption, or no, I'm sorry, consummation of all things in Christ. So God's goal is just this consuming fire that just kind of burns until all things are a sacrifice to the Lord. That it's we're ministering to the Lord and then we'll minister to people well. And it says to he said to walk with God is to walk a path of increasing surrender and trust. And I really pray that you put that at the top of your to-do list or your journal or whatever you really go to regularly. Sometimes my regular go-to lists are all over the house and I can't even find them. But, find a place where you're going to just work with increasing your surrender and your trust to the Lord. Get on the mat with Him until you get it right. And then he also said, when you find yourself more drawn to prayer than promotion, more toward humility than hype you are being prepared by the lord for the glory of god you know we don't know that these character traits these little things that we walk in are going to be so profound and impacting but they are so that's where we're heading we're lifting up jesus because he said if i be lifted up right i'll draw all men to me how hard is that what do we have to do? We don't have to exhaust ourselves. We're lifting Jesus. and sure, the work gets tough. but you know when we're moving in the right direction, it's it's working. So we got to break out of that mold and do the two streams if you want, but make sure we're just spirit and truth. We're connecting in both that love and that truth that God's um, provided for us. and Sometimes we can be really good at cleaning the outside of the cup. You know I, know, I can be really good at cleaning the outside of the cup. So we say we're in a prayer ministry and it's not really happening. But God's working on the inside of the cup. He's working on who we are. And so we don't want that religion to get in the way. We want the relationship to stay in place. And when your relationship is staying in place, with the people you love that you see carry the same vision that you do, it's powerful. So, I want to read a little, let's see, Mm. excuse me, God is a rut buster. If we ever get in a rut on these things, he just comes in and he'll, when we're working with Him and our relationship is tight and we're kind of following His ways, He will absolutely come to our rescue. We fall in a ditch. He's gonna dig us out. If we stumble on a rock, He's gonna lift us up. And I saw something one day and I just would like to share this with you because it was so precious to me. So think about where you're going, what God placed inside of you, the seed that's growing, and what that's gonna look like because um, I think I've been doing this, well, I'll, I'll get into that a little bit, but it's only grown better. There's nothing to fear or dread or, you know, there's there's just a better thing going on every time you're in it with God. So, we're talking about coming out of the box, right? And um, life in Christ Jesus doesn't always, only, call for us to be open and transparent and willing. But on any given day, God will just call us to move, to shift. And there's like 360 degrees in a circle. And if we're going to shift from the world's ways to God's ways, or whatever He gives us, if He gives us some of that, fine. But then there's, things. sometimes things have to change, and they're not always comfortable. So 360 degrees in a circle, right? And say, the center is the heart. Okay? So you're out here and you're trying to get to what God wants. Okay? Effective prayer teams, effective intercession, what He wants to bring to the table to be prayed for, decreed, proclaimed, you know, just, you know, annihilate the works of Satan with His Word. However it works, the heart of that thing, it's just not happening and you're feeling like it's not working. All you do is you shift. Make some changes. Figure out with God what it's going to take. You shift one degree and you go again and you try again. If that's not working, shift. Go again. One degree, just change something, but don't stay stuck. Don't stay in a rut. Don't stay in a place where the devil's going to talk you out of what God gave you. Just don't do it. And so, He calls us to move. And some days, it's not necessarily our nature. We don't stop ministering to the Lord and listening to His heart, but we may need something different. And this time, maybe something more. Something maybe that's not a part of our makeup. We're supernatural. We're three-part beings. We have needs to be met, and we're growing. And to grow properly, it... It's important to have what you need spiritually, and it's important to keep on growing. So I was in a doctor's office one time and I was reading a magazine, and the article, um, this monthly article, was called Rut Busters. And the intent was to help people break out of the particular brand of stuckness that they have. And a woman had submitted this article to this magazine, and they... Go ahead, they went and put it in their magazine. The article stated that she had been eaten a persimmon about two weeks before and she wrote in. You got that one? Okay, the persimmon before me, she said, was sitting there as bright as a kerosene lamp that led the way into the unknown territory of trying new things. I remember a friend had given me one 15 years ago, but that was the last time I had one, so I decided to try again. Another friend, even more years prior to that, gave me her first persimmon, which she perceived, they were sharing, was a richly sweet thing so novel that she had remembered everything about the occasion. In all this, it occurred to her that if she always went for the same food, she'd be missing out on And intentionally, although it wasn't quickly apparent, choosing to pass by many pleasures. I love what her analogy of this experience meant to her. It was time to give it a go, to do something different and come out of the box. So, there's a discipline and a stewardship in not allowing life to become mundane and ordinary. It takes vision and passion to come up higher in the love, life, and relationship category in that department. There's a shift that takes place when we're open to what God is doing. That can be a little unnerving because when he's got a willing vessel, he will use it. And it doesn't always mean that we'll get it right the first time. We've got to take that circle, that 360 degrees, and we've got to shift in our lives with what's not working. It's like digging deeper for more to work with and for more stamina to be able to stay in it until God's will is accomplished completely. God is a God of unity and reconciliation and he loves to help us get there. And we were, going to be, we're going to be doing this until the Lord returns and there will always be some kind of shifting that we have to entertain. There will always be the plowing, sowing, reaping aspects of growth in our relationship with God and others because He's building our character. And someone said that our character is our destiny. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. You know, what greater purpose do we have in this earth? You know, so many distractions, and our awesome loved ones, they're all great, it's all good, but we've got to keep God first. We've got to seek Him diligently. For us this process can bring great satisfaction and even many pleasures beyond our wildest dreams although it may not be quickly apparent. right? But simply by faith knowing that you are a ministering partner with the Lord Jesus Christ himself and something good is always going to happen maybe not at first but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him and if you'll show up and be open and ready. He will do what he has promised. So we want to engage with people and not discount the possibilities for love and relationship. And we know that without warning things can kind of go off track for one reason or another and we're kind of left scratching our heads because things do go south sometimes. They do shift in a wrong direction. They just take a turn and you feel like you're spinning out to nowhere man. Land, But Jesus is very good at what he does and trust him because he's the best mess cleaner-upper we'll ever know. He can take care of our messes. He can take care of the thing that looks like it's, it's gone south and it's never coming back. That's not true. The devil is a liar. The devil's a liar in our life at every turn. So I don't care what you're dealing with, if it's your health or work or whatever uh, relationships, your marriage, your kids, you know, for healing even. one of my favorite prayers is, "The devil is a liar." I was just in the hospital because I took the wrong um, pain medication. I took on an a leave, and three cups of coffee and it just caused this, (coughs) you know. Well, I've always wanted to know how my heart is. And I know generational things can't stop, can't come on me because the bloodline. I drew the bloodline a long time ago, and I'm not letting them come on me. I have authority over my body, it's God-given. You have authority over your body and your kids and everything else, and you need to just speak that into the air, speak that over their lives and over your life. Well, God really blessed me. I got a little rest, a little relaxation, and I learned that I have a good heart. There's no blockage. There's no damage. My left ventricle, your pumper, is in excellent condition. And I thought, God, how did you do that? If you have a concern, He's coming to you. He's coming to you. He's gonna minister to you. He's gonna let you know what's going on. You know, we just my husband and I were eating healthier. It's it's been a whole good thing. Don't wait till <laughs> something happens. But it's just it, the plan is working. So we engage with people. Like I say, we don't discount any opportunities or any possibilities because we're lovers. God called us to love. And um People still need people. There's just no way out of it. Sorry, guys, we can't sit on the back seat or isolate, or and we all do at times. Or else we're extroverts and we're just wasting our time because we love. That's more my. St- I loved. Or my husband said one time, Joe, you really know how to work a room. <laughs> and I said, what? I, I didn't want to work a room. I didn't plan to work a room, but I love people out to catch up and be with them and hang out with them and see where they're at. Um, so the rut buster today for us is to allow God to work in us, to remove the proverbial box And out of our comfort zones and learn what these experiences offer us. Because there's something there. It's like you're going to a candy store. Even if you're in difficulty, wait. Adversity is a gift. I tell my children that all the time. God will turn it into something good, just like He did for Joseph. You know, Satan meant it for evil. Guess what? God meant it for good. He's all good. So, when He's calling us to obey Him and stand in stuff, you know, standing in stuff. You know, we don't even know what it is sometimes. You know, it just got slimed or whatever. That's, things can happen. Um, we don't want to discount those. That would be futile. You know, we've come this far. Our life in Christ Jesus is precious. And it's, it's awesome how far we've grown. And at the same time, don't stop. If a tree is not growing, it's dying. And you just can't afford it can't afford it. Keep going." So I was listening to the radio a few days ago and I heard Dennis Rainey and he said if people are ever going to grow spiritually, it's usually due in some way to relationships. So this opens that door to invite people to share your life and your heart with people and enroll them into your vision, enroll them into the possibilities, you know, Satan loves for us to live in our own conspiracies. You know, he'll just set up this whole dynamic and before you know it, we're stuck. Shift, shift, please shift. God wants to bless us, but in some cases we have to allow him to come into the box of what stands between us and his perfect will for our lives. Let him in to the box we're stuck in. To say, come on in, God. You know, whatever you do to really get with Him and trust Him. Don't resist Him. There's a spirit of resistance that would come on us. You know, there's a spirit of resignation. You know, we're resigned to the fact that things will never change. Those demons got to go. That is not our God. And so, you know, sometimes we don't want to, upset or remove things from our life, let God do it. He'll remove it and it's not going to be that painful. He said his, his um, chastisement is not grievous. So how he works with us is holy. It's great. So in the book of jo- Josephus, there's a ref- record. Excuse me with the water. <coughs> And it's the story of Hoff, Hani, sorry, Hani, and Hani was a circle maker. And um, what he did was, he was a prayer warrior, but he saw things were getting in the way. And I don't know if God gave him the strategy, strategy or what. He may give you strategies that you'll need. But what he did was, he drew circles around his prayers. He drew prayer circles. And he would draw prayer circles around his biggest dreams and his greatest fears. And he just would not let either control him. He was bound and determined to not be controlled by the vision or the fear of it. And we've got to get to that place where there's not a controlling spirit in our lives. There's not a spirit of resignation in our lives resistance, you know. I mean, that resistance comes up when you go to read the Word of God. It's God's Word, you know. And sometimes we're busy in that day, you think you can just, ah, not today. You know what, the Bereans were so sharp because they daily studied the Word of God. It only makes sense. We complicate it. So, the fears define them and then kick them to the curb. The dreams, Ask God to breathe on them. Ask him to just breathe on them. Journal. Pray. Watch. Please look. Look with your spiritual eyes. You're going to see what he's saying. He's not going to keep it from you. He won't withhold things. That's not God. Love does not withhold things from you. It doesn't neglect your dream. If he gave it to you, if it's burning in your heart, he's not. in what he authors, he'll pay for So, you can count on God coming through for you. In 1978, I heard God speak. Here's what he said. I'd been in the Word for about three years, and I've loved God all my life. I was born again at seven years old. And I just knew it in my front yard. Not a big deal. I just knew God and Jesus Christ were going to be part of my life. And I heard him say, you will pray for presidents. I kind of like politics. Forgive me, okay? Please, forgive me. But I love policy. I love righteousness. I love when they come together. And so when he said, you will pray for presidents, I, boom, what does that mean? (laughs) I didn't get it, you know? And even when I was prophesied, you're an intercessor, you know? I didn't get it. What's an intercessor, God? And please, You mean you're going to take this great big personality, you guys don't know me, but those who do, (laughs) and stuff it into a closet? I don't think that's going to work for me. But God is God, and He knows how to bless us as we go. And I will never regret the day I ran into Capitol Hill Prayer Partners. I found an email online, and it was precious and they were praying for things in the government. They were praying for where it was going south and where it was on track and how righteousness could be implemented because this country was founded on righteousness. You know, our Constitution, we lift up God in the very first sentence. So, you know, I'm happy to pray. And so, since 2006, I've been praying for all the presidents. You know, just, they need prayer. They're, they're, you know, they're in a mess. There's so much gridlock and there's so many things that, you know, whatever, even in our our homes, we can have wasteful spending. Well, when you're collecting, you know, 300 million people's tax dollars, it's not easy to figure things out. And so we just prayed and prayed and prayed and I finally got um, a little more involved and I sent an email and I said, you know, I see this in that. And so I got an email back, uh, would you like to join us? And I said, great. So we started praying, you know, on Thursday nights, or we did some um, prayer strikes, or we even did, you know, all night prayer, or uh, once a month, different groups and networks would, uh, Aglow International, or Venezuela, or Israel, or um, I had the 27th prayer shield after a while, and Israel had the 28th. And we would just get on a conference call and pray, 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 pray. And it was the most amazing learning experience I've ever had. To pray with people who, were, who could teach me how to pray and get me up higher. And um, just higher, closer to the throne room where there's actual legal things going on because Jesus Christ paid the legal price for the lives of mankind should they choose him. And I was just so excited and um, I finally started editing for their newspaper. We would pray into the news feeds and we would um, put declarations out there, learn. You know, get resources for declarations because they're so important. Decrees you can do from the Word of God. Um, It's just so... To be mindful like that. And then there's like 4,000 people now praying uh, through these things that uh, we're pulling together and um, making happen in this... um, It's a blog. It's a newspaper and a blog, too. So... Um... It was just a good experience, and then I went over to Dawnbreakers, which is a 5 a.m. prayer call, and we implemented things like this along the way. And there's so many things uh, we did. We didn't meet each other for so long, and finally we said, we should get together. You know, we've known each other for six years or something like that. So we got together at one of the gals' houses in Maryland, right on the Potomac River. Well, that's where Fort Washington is, and that's where she lives, so we went up the back and forth. We ate in the Senate office, and we um, went to the Senate library. You have to have clearance to get in there. And she got us in, and it was just like we saw the very first document that George Washington wrote to Congress. So there's a um, video. Did we do that video? Okay. Well, Lance now talks about the seven mountains of society, and how important it is to understand that These mountains, just like Caleb took the mountain, he was 85 years old. We can do this. And their business and um, entertainment, arts and entertainment, that whole mountain is owned by the enemy. It's owned pretty much by the devil. He runs the show, he's bringing filth through the mountain. And, you know, I mean, when is the church going to take that mountain? The mountain of religion, you know, the whole church thing. And there's over 4,000 denominations. And not all of them have anything to do with Jesus, you know. There's um, the mountain of education. Look what's going on with the educational world. You know, it's a horror show. And so, and there's a couple more, but you know, you can look up Lance Wall now, you can look up a lot of people, and you can start learning about this because pretty sure that your ministry is going to tackle one of those mountains. And you know, God's given us His strength to do this, we don't need ours. He'll use us, He'll work with us, and His ways are higher than our ways. Well, previous to that time, um that I've been with these groups and these precious, precious people. We know one another. We hang out together, and to be together was such a big deal. You know, you're going to love on your prayer groups, and they're going to love you right back. It's just going to be amazing. I was in more of a team-building thing that was uh, by the book, let's say. And that was kind of really rough because I don't know what happened. But you really have to have prayer pr- yourself prayed up uh, to even take it. And, and it was just a time when I think the church was trying to figure some things out. And, I mean, there were some people that didn't understand what we were doing. And so we'd all get together and do something, say for a pastor or something. And then, for some reason, instead of doing it on Tuesday... I was a prayer coordinator, and they did it at their house. Instead of at the church, they did it at their house on Monday. And I'm like, well, what's that about? And then you weren't allowed to have the friends you were with. You know, the spirit of control that Jezebel got in to the church. And it was very, very rough. And in order to continue to love and not leave the church, I had to navigate through a lot of junk. But you know what? God gives us the wisdom, the tenacity, the strength, the determination to not act like the world, to not let entities... (coughs) run us around and and um, so What happened was I said God I'm not leaving. I'm not taking my light out of this church. I'm not going to do it I'm just going to stand in this and it was rough. It was hard. You know you ever get slimed That's what was going on. It was a huge battle and um, So I just stood back and I watched how These ones that weren't kind of in the vision, they were really struggling. And I just prayed and let God do what he was going to do. And one Saturday morning, I was on my knees and he said, I want you to leave that church. And I was like, I I was not expecting that. I just didn't see it coming. It was tough. And I said, really? Really? I said, if you want me to leave that church, you need to give me more than one confirmation. And you can do that with God. You can put, put him uh, his feet to the fire. He doesn't care. What you need, he will bring. And that weekend, I got three confirmations, and every single one of them aligned with something about the Pony Express. One came in a movie. One came in an email. And I forget where the other one came, but I documented it. Anyway, three times, he and then he spoke, and he said, I'm sending you out like the Pony Express with my message. And if you remember the Pony Express, you couldn't hold those people back. They were determined. The mail must go through. And I was just so charged, I said, I can go. Well, there was a lot going on in that church. And so what I was able to do was forgive, let go, and bless Bless every single one and tell them all the good things they did for me. All the good things I learned at that church. I wasn't going to trash anything or anybody. And so you just really have to... Moses and Elijah, they went up to Mount Horeb. And they went with so much despair. As a matter of fact, Horeb means... Let me see. It means desolation. And so they were both on that mountain with God was working with them. But God wasn't there because of desolation. God was there because... Let me ask you a question? Because I'm distant to you. How many prayer groups are you in? Um, right now, I'm in one. And we'll answer questions after this. Okay. But um, that was a former prayer group. And the one I spoke before that, that is the now prayer group. Um, but thank you. Um, See, God wasn't bringing more desolation for that for them. He wasn't bringing more of that. What he was doing was he was bringing them to a place of new beginnings on Mount Horeb, and things changed. If you look at the record, he was connecting with them for the vision, and so that's important to know that God shows up with his higher ways, his higher thoughts. And um, there's so many things going on in the earth right now. Pastor was talking about human trafficking and it's a $150 uh, billion dollar business right now. Ten years ago it was $80 billion. Hmm, it's growing. And um, New York, what are they doing? Babies are coming out of the womb. And they write up a bill and sign it. We're just going to kill them. If they're still alive, not for long. Goodness, that spirit of murder is what got this country in so much trouble. All that bloodletting to begin with. So we really need your ministry. We really need your vision. And I pray you don't give up because it's so important. And even if you start with little things, you don't have to implement everything that's being said today or everything you've ever heard on prayer teams. But implement what God's showing you. It's going to be important. So, when it comes to intercessory prayer, what kinds of prayer will you be praying? There's intercessory prayer, there's warring prayer, there's worshiping, there's praising, there's perfect prayer, right? Um, There's divine declarations, decrees, and proclamations. So, find resources, learn, and grow in these areas. I look forward to this 5 a.m. call I'm on now. I just like, I can get up, I just look forward to it, and things come up, but God's still God, and you just stay in it with Him, and it's so interesting. So that circle maker, we have to remember, the dreams and the fears, they don't control us, and at the same time, the decrees and the declarations, we need to be in it, and um, I bought a book, and it is um, My Prayer Team Leader's book that she wrote. She spent 25 years on Capitol Hill and with Aglow International, and she's an awesome prayer warrior. She's a writer, and she writes decrees and declarations, and I would just like to share one with you. And um, go ahead and write your own or borrow somebody else's for a time. But you know what, there's something about... uh, Graham Cook calls it crafted prayer. Well, you get the prayer, you get the goods, you get what's needed to go forward, you craft the prayer, and every prayer after that is a thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you're answering this prayer. So, here's some of the prayers we pray. We call the church to awake and arise. Awake, awake, you who sleep. Come, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Arise and shine to be the light of the world you're called to be. And these are all documented with scripture. It is written that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Mighty God, empower your people to stand against the tide of evil that seeks to overwhelm us and take this nation back for you and help us to take this nation back to y- for you. We call forth the triumphant reserve to stand in apostolic alignment as the kingdom advancing, society reforming, governmental force you've called them to be. We cry out for this nation to be one that is exalted by righteousness and whose God is the Lord. We declare justice the measuring line, and righteousness, the plumb line, over this nation. And we declare over America that the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and he will save us. We speak to the gateways of our cities and our nations. Lift up your head, O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. O Lord of hosts, arise in our midst, so your enemies will be scattered. The heavens are yours and the earth also. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Establish the dominion of your throne over our wayward nation in Jesus' name. America, arise to your destiny. That's the governmental mountain. And, Pastor, I brought this for you. It's called the Overcomer's... Handbook of Kingdom Proclamations by Barbara L. Pox. Yes. <clears throat> and thank you for inviting me here. Almost done. There was a man in the Old Testament. His name was Phineas. Now he's not Hophni and Phineas, Eli's kids. He happens to be the son of Eleazar. And he went to town and he decided, well, I'll just read it to you. Numbers 25, now Israel remained in Acacia Grove and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. This was a sad day for God, but it was a sadder day for Israel. They didn't, you know, you know not what you do. Jesus prayed that prayer from the cross, and it's still true today. People know not what they're doing. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. God at that point, before Jesus Christ, took out the wicked. We're in an hour where we need to pray for the wicked because he also said that he would not even have the wicked perish but come to salvation. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal. Baal is an entity and it's ruined so many people's lives. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. There was a plague on Israel because of this behavior. I think so many maladies in America and around the world could be cleared up if we just honor God. And, you know, for people to be so self-serving and self-righteous and self-made, we were created by a loving God. We don't have to make ourselves, He'll make us into something beautiful. We just walk with Him, we just honor Him, we know Him. We know him from his word, and then we know him by his spirit. 24,000 dead. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel, because he was zealous with my zeal among them. So, excuse me, I did not consume the children of Israel by, in my zeal. Therefore, say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. You know, God is faithful, and he'll rise up someone to get the job done. So we pray on our call a lot that the Spirit of the Lord, the zeal of the Lord would rise up in the church like it did in his servant Phineas. And that they would go out and rescue people from wickedness and evil. So like I say, you're birthing something. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the journey. I know the transition can be really tough, you know, the birthing pains can seem unbearable sometimes, but it's just something we'll get used to as we go because the church really needs us. Our culture needs us. The culture in this nation has just been so decimated and degraded and stomped on. and please look up I think it's called the road to do you remember the name of that pastor it's in your phone that one email uh, YouTube I'd like to so like I say take it slow implement your intercession then you'll do great and um In our prayer team, in the morning, we start with communion, and then we go straight to Psalm 91. We read it in different versions because we like to. I like it. I'm a King James version person, but I really like the Passion Bible, um, Psalm 91. It's precious, and it's strong. It's powerful. It's impacting. Speak it over your kids. Speak it over your families and your um, ministry and your groups. So then we go into prayer and intercession for the president, the cabinet, the Congress, the Senate, all of them, everyone. We just hit them. Local law enforcement, you know, things that are happening in other countries that affect America. We're just like, keep going, keep going. Look at the aspects of your mission and your vision and see where is the prayer needed. You know, you need to just look at that. And um So then we go to, um, and this is just our group, start small. You ever hear that song, Dream Small? You know, just start with what's working for you. But, um, let's see, Mary, our precious Mary, she does divine appointments. So even like Sherwin-Williams has that red blood covered over the earth, She said, just like we see that. That's what you're doing. Divine appointments for your people. Divine surprises for your people. You know, she just gets into that. Even divine appointments for government officials, that God would intersect, intervene in their lives and find them. And find them with somebody who knows God, who knows the Word, who has a prophetic insight. Then we go to uh, Margaret Beth. Praise over the children, the decrees, and the scripture, when she says, out of their mouths, and God will um, annihilate the avenger. There's just so many scriptures that we use to pray over the children and lift them up spiritually and just speak it, you know. The spoken word is so powerful. Um, Barbara prays over the loss in Jeremiah 24, 5-7, through that's a powerful prayer, that he's building them up and not tearing them down, that he's planting them and not plucking them up, and they'll come back to him with their whole heart, and I am the Lord, they'll proudly say, I am the Lord's. And that's just a an awesome thing, and then I pray my vindication pl- prayer, and if you close your eyes with me, I would like to pray that, Father, you are our vindication. Isaiah says, you don't just vindicate, you are our vindication. And Father, you always, always acquit us. You, uh, you forgive us and you pardon us. Father, you avenge us. You even the score and you punish back your the, our enemies. And that's what this word vindication means. God, you exculpate us. Father, you um, exonerate us. You lift us up and clear us from all wrongdoing. God, you substantiate us. You authenticate us and prove us out and verify who we are as lights in this world. You justify us, Father, and you maintain all of our legal rights in Christ Jesus and you keep us from being censored or denied. You protect us from attack and encroachment and you correct every misalignment with your word to us. Thank you God, you're an awesome God. And Father, there is no shame, blame, fault, guilt, condemnation, accusation or charge that can stick to us because Jesus paid it all. And we receive that today. We receive it for our government officials, Father. Forgive them for they don't know what they do, Father. Lift them up out of the miry clay in Jesus' name. That's our mountain. That's how we take it. Because God will always send in the Air Force before he sends in the ground troops. So pray. It, the prince of the power of the air has too much air. Suck the air out of him. And I would like to read this last scripture to you. It says, But him, let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising and executing loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these I delight, says the Lord. That's Jeremiah 9.24. God delights in executing loving kindness. Can you imagine? Righteousness. He loves. We we rename gates. We just call the gate over this or that that's really mucked up we call that gate righteousness and we say no enemy can track through that gate and travel. And we say angels bar the door because angels hearken unto the word of the Lord. Every word you speak out of the word of God, angels are going to perform it. So, Father, we thank you for this session. We thank you, Father. Help us to hold on to everything that's good and righteous. And, Father, pray it back to you. I lift these people up, their mission, their vision, and their the uh, recruitment of intercessory prayer, prophetic prayer, and praises and glory back to you God. Bless them and keep them in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here.